So we're gonna be calling Shannon Hunt. Downey, oh, this is your team. <laughs> please get us a Dairy Queen. We miss you, Downey. Please. Please. My name is Shannon Hunt, and I'm ready to be your junior class president. Well, welcome back, everyone. Another episode of The Shannon Show, the first episode actually of 2022. It is the Best Military Kids podcast. And today, we have a great guest uh, with us, a uh, fellow podcaster. Avi is on the show today. How are you doing, my man? Pretty excited. It's an honor to be the first podcast for The Shannon Show for 2022. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's, um, it's definitely... I don't know. I have a lot of good things in store for the year. I can't wait to get started. And I'm sure, as everyone does, have some resolutions, some fun things to get to. So stay tuned. Make sure you follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But Avi, tell me, how's that Arizona winter treating you, my man? <laughs> well, for the first 11 years of my life, I lived in Washington State. Over there, it gets pretty brutal. So yeah. comparing over here to Washington, it isn't that bad. And I'm a bit of a cold weather person. So I'm, oh. I'm pretty, pretty fond of it. The ice on the road can be a bit precarious sometimes, but other than in that, Arizona, oh yeah, it gets that cold. Flagstaff, oh yeah, man. What? I feel like yeah, uh, we live in Flagstaff, which is six thousand feet above sea level. Oh, and, there you go. Yep, we're in the mountains, so we get two, three feet of snow during winter. That's pretty serious. I was not expecting that. For some reason, I think Arizona. I just think the whole thing's desert. What am I thinking? I thought so too until I moved here. <laughs> you said uh, you said you're leaving for college tomorrow. Tomorrow is moving day for me. Yeah, that is so this crazy. whole week it's been logistics and forms. You know, trying to network with some people at ASU, and you know, just trying to fix a couple of things that you know taking a bit long or haven't been sorted out yet like my, my yeah. math class um i am like two classes behind where i should be so i just got to get a couple forms in transcriptions and make sure that i'm not going backwards when i start college yeah so this is your first semester first semester would be spring yep yeah and so you're starting in the spring that's a little unusual why are you starting in the spring just because I wanted to start as soon as possible. I couldn't yeah. start in the fall because I had some issues with my homeschooling. Um, gotcha. And it was just easier for me to transition into college uh, during the spring. I didn't want to wait a whole another year for fall. Yeah, I understand that completely. I have a few friends who are doing the same thing. One of my friends, he just got done with Marine Corps boot camp, and he's ready to go to college now because he's a reservist. So, you know, that happens. Just get, get started whenever you can. What's your major going to be? I'm going to be majoring in computer science with a focus yeah. in cybersecurity. Super popular major right now. Great job yeah. security. Great potential for you know different type of responsibilities in the Air Force. And computer science is something I like a lot. Might change out of cybersecurity later on. Mm -hmm. No, not sure yet. <laughs> Did you have you have have you already gotten some sort of coding experience, or when did you really get interested in computer science? So when I was working on my associate's degree last year, I took oh. some computer science courses, so coding, graphic design, um, algorithms, and systems analysis. So I have some programming experience. I've also done a couple internships here and there, but not too, too much. I know that a lot of people are going into computer science because of software development. And even though I love coding, I don't see myself being able to sit behind a computer 
10 hours a day working on like four, 14 lines of codes because they won one. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. I took like one coding class my freshman year. I'm a sophomore now. I go to Penn State. I'm doing aerospace engineering. And I took like one computer science class. And it's tough, man. It's like some of those problems, I'm like, I could never see myself doing it. And it's just like staring at the computer all the time. But there's some kids in my classes that are just like super talented. Like they just have a knack for like the, the coding and being efficient and solving the problems sure. so easily. Some of and, these people, especially going into college, you see they've been coding since they were like four and a half years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the second language is R and, you know, they, they create <laughs> the next Instagram on their free time. It's, it's crazy seeing what the, the, um, the amazing stuff people are doing with computer science right now. Yeah. People really are starting young too, like you said. And I think that that's great. I mean, that's what everything that we use today is built on, you know, coding. That's, that's the language that like all of our technology. So the fact that we can get kids learning that, that'd be pretty neat. Avi, you are a military brat, which I mean, thank goodness, this is the best military kids podcast. So what better place? Tell me a little bit about the branch your family was a part of, some of the places you live, just what was growing up like? You said 11 years in Washington. So yes. elaborate. So I didn't get to live a lot of that military lifestyle that mm -hmm. a lot of these military brats do. My mom signed a dotted line when she was 18, got into the army, and she got out as an E5 a couple of years later when she had me. So I was born right after her military service ended. And then gotcha. she was at a couple of places, but she got deployed to Washington State, which is where you know she decided to settle. And then from there, 11 years in Washington, moved to Guam for five years, and then here to Arizona. And even though I haven't gotten that real military influence, especially through childhood, as I'm getting into college and this next phase of adulthood, my mom has been really pushing uh, the military as an option. So for the past three, four years, I've been you know, networking with people, trying to contact a bunch of current and former yeah. service members, academy graduates, and as a result, joining organizations like ACT Now and the Military Podcast, just because I love the military community so much. It's crazy how even the military spouses, the veterans and the reservists feel like they're all part of the same family, which is amazing. And that camaraderie is something that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy, especially podcasting. So uh, joining ROTC in college is going to be a big, big focus of mine. I want to make sure that I be able to live out that vision with everybody around me. It's just something I've been admiring for the past three, four years of my life in high school, especially. Gotcha. And tell me a little bit about Guam. You said five years in Guam. That's a pretty unique place to live. I have a friend or two that lived in Guam as well. Very small island. Uh, what was that like for you? Well, in Guam, it's like you said, a really small island. <laughs> yeah. Um, about a third of it is reserved for military bases. So there's a, mil right. a naval base down there, a air force base, mainly because it's close to Asia and Europe. It's a very strategic location in the Pacific ocean. So very, very valuable position, especially in a couple of wars throughout the 1900s. It's been very, very useful for the U S in terms of living there. There's a lot of military presence. They mainly stay on their base grounds, so it's not too much you see, you know, day to day. A lot of tourists, though, and it's only 170,000 people. You can drive from the top to the bottom of the island in about 35 and 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so the community down there is pretty darn 
closely knit. Everybody knows each other. It's typical island life. The beaches yeah. are pretty nice. Uh, it's a little underdeveloped for a U.S. territory. So you still see things like um, paper communications and faxes and things like that. Whereas today, you know, everything's paperless. Mm -hmm. You have a bunch of different apps for your banks and taxes and all that. So in terms of the municipal side of it, it's a little, little backwards, but it's a great place to live if you want a slice of the island life and want to enjoy a, a closely knit community of different races and ethnicities. Beautiful place. Yeah, it's always a place I've wanted to visit. I lived in Okinawa for three years, so I kind of get what you mean by the island life. It's it's kind of bizarre, you know, living in the States and then you go someplace where you said like 30 minutes across and you're like, what? This is unbelievable. <laughs> like, it does feel, I don't know if claustrophobic is the right word, but it takes a little bit to get used to. For sure. Um, it's kind of jarring to go out to the grocery store, the bank, the beach, um, the tax office yeah. and come back in like half an hour. It's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and then just the density of the population is so much higher too, at least in Okinawa. I'm not sure about Guam. It's just so many more people living, you know, like you said, very tight knit. It's just very close. And I don't know. It's pretty cool. I like that lifestyle though. I really enjoyed it. So if anyone has the opportunity to live on an island or somewhere in Asia, it's, it's a great experience. I know that when my mom told me, hey, pack your bags, we're heading to Guam, I was pretty concerned because yeah. living in Washington state, you know, you have the big, big evergreen trees, the mountains, the glaciers, the lakes, and then we're moving to this tiny island that's not much bigger than the town I lived in. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty, pretty confused and worried that I wouldn't be able to blend in with the people around me or I would get close to people and then have to move right after. I know that's right. a, a big problem a lot of these military kids face. However, we originally were supposed to stay in Guam for two years, ended up staying for five. And throughout that time, it took me two years to warm up to the island. Really? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, fitting into the high school scene over there, you know, teen years is a very formative part of your life. Mm -hmm. I was still trying to warm up to everybody over there. But after that, I really, really got to bond with the people there. Even the, like the Department of Education and the teachers over there. In small communities like that, you make, you get a chance to make a name for yourself. Not necessarily oh, yeah. in a arrogant way, but to be able to make known where you're going in life, have some people support you, make some friends and even some closely knit family members over there. So if you're on the cusp of moving to a new place, it's like Okinawa, I know is super popular. Or if you're heading to Guam or somewhere else like that, know that it's not going to be hard for long. You have a break in period, you know, whether it be one month, six months, eight months. But after that, it's about making yourself comfortable and finding the best in the situation. And that's how it right. got, that's how I got through it. Yeah, so much of it is mindset. Like you said, it's just kind of like, what, where are you mentally going into that move? Because I think we've all had those moves where, what's the point? I'm going to leave there in two years anyways. I'm not going to, I'm going to leave all my friends. Well, what does it matter? And that's like, like you said, you end up being there for five and you don't really know what the military lifestyle, you, there's no way to know. So all you can do is just try and make the best of it. And I, I would so much rather go to a small place like Okinawa or Guam in a small high school, then get lost in like a really big high school. Cause like you said, it's an opportunity to make your name, name for yourself. 
And that's not necessarily, like you said, in an arrogant way, but just you can stand out a little bit. You can kind of get involved in more things that you might not be able to in a bigger high school because you might slip through the cracks. You might be overlooked. You might you know, not make the team if in a sports case. So it's really a great opportunity. It should be embraced. For sure. And for those military kids out there, wearing the badge of a military dependent or family member is 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 an honor. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have the chance to make known that your family is doing something for the country or, you know, you had a, um, a parent family member sacrifice themselves for um, their, their squad mates or something like that, that's a badge of honor that you should wear rather than shaming for moving and, you know, not being able yeah. to connect with people like that. Yeah, I think that the military brat community is making a lot of progress in that. There's no, everyone's like becoming more proud and there's so many great organizations now and people are doing so many great things just bringing light to the issues they face. Um, like Bloom Military Teens, I'm not sure if you follow them, but they are just doing some great stuff. They did a big survey on military kid mental health. And like I said, just be proud and you're doing great things for your country. It may not seem like it. I know you're just trying to get through high school, but you really are making some pretty serious sacrifices and everyone appreciates it. You mentioned, Avi, uh, the Act Now program. I want you to get a little bit more in depth in that and the podcast and just explain a little bit more about that organization oh i lost wait wait i lost your audio there you go am yep, i good okay there we go yep. so the act now education transition programs are mainly yep. for veterans transitioning out of the military however something kp and i are especially trying to do on the morning formation podcast is focus on transitioning into the military as well because something that we believe is that your transition out of the military starts when you transition into the military, whether it be uh, knowledge, certifications, uh, mentality, all of that is going to play on how easy it is to transition out later on. Mm. So we want to make sure that we get those teens, the young adults who are thinking about transitioning into the military and starting this next chapter in their life, get their opinions known, uh, give them advice on how to tackle things like mental health or mm -hmm. um, technical preparedness like in their field or you know trying to figure out what the military lifestyle is like and that's a big big reason about why act now does what it does everything we do is free we have the webinars we have amazing guests and volunteers who try and do their best to get as much information out there to as many people as possible I think over the last year and a half, we've had around 12, 13,000 members in that Facebook group, uh, all getting resources, That's sharing awesome. resources. It definitely is. And I know there are a bunch of large organizations out there, V2Y, Veterans Grow America, mm -hmm. that do a lot of the same things. And it's that community that really pushes ACT now to grow more because I think the, the numbers is it's 3% of the U.S. population is military affiliated. Or I think it's four or five now. But that's a lot of people. 5% mm -hmm. of 300 million is a lot of people out there to be helped. And not everybody is transitioning immediately. Not everybody's thinking about transitioning out, you know, staying active duty. But helping as many people as we can with those issues is what drives Act Now to do what it does. And I think that's just a very, very amazing thing, especially since after joining, I've been able to see how difficult getting out of the military really is, especially, you know, 
free act now education i thought hey you get into the military you have all this service under your belt anybody and anyone will want you because of what you did for your country but it's yeah. not that easy and it's not that simple for a lot of people so it really opened my eyes as to the types of problems people encounter and how military brats dependents and spouses play into that conversation as well with either supporting active duty members from home uh, starting their own businesses uh, joining organizations making podcasts yeah <laughs> Tell me your role within the Morning Formation podcast. That's some great work you're doing, but what, what do you do specifically? So I started out as just like the background and behind the scenes editor mm -hmm. and organizer. So I'd help KP find guests. Oh, one second. You're fine. Sorry about that. No, all good. Um, so I started out as just a editor and, you know, assistant for the podcast yeah. doing any marketing or graphic design um posting on linkedin and facebook as well and then i asked him if i could start co-hosting just because i wanted to play a more active role in it he yeah. said of course we did some trial podcasts between him and i and then i started co-hosting with him so on a normal morning formation podcast you have kp me and the guest it's a mm -hmm. trifecta right there yeah. and but kp and i are bouncing questions off each other the guest is answering them and we're just having a, a great time sharing information and I know especially with these older guests or these more experienced veterans it's great to yeah. see i should say refreshing to see a teen in this type of environment helping veterans helping the transitioning community because it shows them that you know there's still hope for us yeah <laughs> I definitely get what you're saying with that. And you guys have a great like rapport with one another as well. And I think that's the most important thing to have in a co-host is just good chemistry and good connection. And the fact you guys did trial podcast, that's a great way to try and build that. Um, I haven't had any co-host for like a long period of time, but I can imagine that it's, it's easier in some ways to have another person kind of stirring the conversation and making the podcast progress. So yeah, everything I've seen from you guys has been really exciting. Do you ever get like nervous if you have like some veteran come on who has like a bunch of prestige to them? Like they're really savvy. Cause I mean, I don't know whenever I have like a really important guest. I get like, oh, I'm all like amped up before, kind of nervous. Yeah, that's another plus about having a co host. They can, you know, ground you at times. Yeah. Especially if you're a little nervous or you're not having like the best of a day. Mm -hmm. the co-host or in this case a great friend can really reel you in and help you support yourself that way i know especially we had a guest that was a harvard graduate he was <sighs> an athlete running triathlons and marathons yeah. he was a very religious person so he made waves in the entire military community getting religious accommodation mm -hmm. i was like wow this guy has done <laughs> it all he's he's a beacon a light right here and I was getting a bit nervous because I wanted to present myself in the right manner. I wanted to represent the podcast and not trip over my words and things like that. Yeah. And a big thing about these military icons in the community is that they're just normal people that have either motivated themselves or been able to push themselves to succeed. They're just normal people. I know that that guest as soon as we had him on the podcast, he was super friendly, very, very kind, well-spoken, easygoing. And I was like, man, I did not expect this guy to be like this. Yeah. And it was just a breath of fresh air. As soon as he started talking, I started to, you know, level out, get my head straight. But 
do get nervous. And I yeah. think that doing more podcasts, especially on other platforms with other hosts and things like that, definitely helps you break out of your shell. And you know, we have a we have a bit of a reason to in this virtual age. It's not like we're sitting in front of hundred plus people. It's being streamed, so I mean, it's a bit easier that way. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like, I've considered, you know, doing like a live podcast where like people are actually in the room, and that would just be that'd be crazy. Still, some I'd be interested in doing, but you don't really think about the people who are listening while you're talking. Um, yeah, but like you said, whenever you have a big guest on, it usually just takes a few minutes to kind of settle in, and they they are just normal people, and they've have a ton of experience communicating with people and portraying themselves in a good way. So usually, you know, it goes pretty smoothly. Do you and, have any? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, By the end just... of the podcast, typically they move from intimidating to inspiring. Like, hey, yeah. I used to be kind of nervous about this guy, how he's going to appear in front of him, what he's going to think of me. But then at the end, you're like, wow, I need to connect with this guy. I need to talk to him. He's All he's done is inspiring. Hey, I'm in that field as well. I need mm -hmm. to talk to him more about what he's doing in there. So... At the end of the day, networking is going to be a big reason as to why things become easier for you, especially when yeah. you realize that, especially in the military community, everybody wants to help. Everybody's super friendly. Everybody's very, very kind and very open to having phone calls with you, uh, Zoom meetings, podcasts, everything in between. Yeah, it's really it's really is a supportive community, and I'm so glad to even though I just do a very little part, just to be kind of involved in it. It's really it's it's cool stuff. Like so many Instagram accounts, whether it's your podcast or other podcasts, everyone's just kind of like I see one person on one show and they're on the next show the next day, and everyone's just trying to help each other out, and it's really For it really sure. is inspiring. And like you said about networking, it's kind of just, you just have to go out and do it, right? Like No one else can do it for you. You just have to go out, talk to people, get connected. And the podcast is a great way to do that. But you don't have to have a podcast to start networking at all. If you see someone on a podcast, feel free to reach out to them. I mean, so many times on the podcast, they give you the person's contact information. Ask people questions, try to get involved any way you can. If you want to help, people are always looking for help. Couldn't uh, agree more. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's about, and especially in the military community. Tell me a little bit about your high school interests and activities. I saw something on your stream about robotics. I, I really want to talk about that and how you're going to continue that in college if you're interested. For sure. So in high school, especially for the latter half, mm -hmm. I was very, very invested in robotics. On Guam, because it's still a small island, it, the robotics opportunities over there is far and few between there's yeah. about three organizations in total that you can be a part of from there um one is for legos one is for underwater robotics and one is uh first it's a pretty big robotics organization yeah. and i participated in all of them so wow. i started off you know my math teacher told me uh, my pe teacher was the coach for the robotics team I said, we have a robotics team. I'm going to go check <laughs> it out. And I talked to him and he said, yeah, after after training, I'll show you what we got. And then he took me into the little backwards closet in the back mm -hmm. of the gym in front of all the robotics materials. And I said, yep, I'm doing this. <laughs> and <laughs> at the time I said, all right, well, how many team members do you have? And I and he said, you're you're it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are the so team. I said, well, you have all this equipment and all this 
and deadlines and all that and you don't even have a team he said yep and i said okay let's get started and then it started out with me and one other person my mm -hmm. best friend at the time and then it expanded to like three or four the year after and then the year after it's expanded to a team of around 10 at our school and then now it's about 15 20 people in that club there you go so in terms of what the robotics scene is like on guam uh the schools are pretty competitive since it's one of the only i wouldn't say uh, one of the main stem opportunities on the island being robotics mm -hmm. everybody wants a piece of it so all the high schools are competing um the department of education has their own team and all that so it's pretty darn competitive all, all the local events everybody's you know staring each other down and yeah. making fun but at the end of the day it's still a friendly competition between everybody everybody's playing for the same team but i did some underwater robotics did some first competitions did some lego robotics and then after a while when i moved to homeschool i started the robotics club over there the Guam Homeschool Association, because I wanted to get the teens who aren't exposed to the normal uh, education system to robotics, yeah. because otherwise they had no outlet for that, um, that those competitions. And unfortunately, halfway through the competitive season, we had to move off the island. So I left it in their hands and I'm not sure where they're at now. I got to reach out to them. Yeah. But in terms of what I'm planning on doing in college, if they have a robotics team at ASU, which I know they do, I'm Obviously, definitely yeah. going to be applying to be a part of it. Even though I'm not an engineering major and they might show me up a bit, I might get humbled, <laughs> but I'm definitely still interested because robotics hey, that's is part just of such it, a fun thing. Definitely. Everybody who I've met through robotics is either extremely, extremely intelligent, extremely open to teamwork and communication, uh, or just has very, very innovative, creative ideas. You don't have to be an engineering major to succeed in robotics. You don't have to be a computer science major either. Um, unless your, your school's team is hyper, hyper competitive and they're focused on international championships and things like that. Robotics is just a really, really fun way to explore technology, open your mind to how circuits work and how cameras yeah. work, how to design products and and to test them and all that it's just very very fun and i hope to be part of that in asu yeah i was a part of a robotics team in like middle school i did the lego robotics which was like pretty fundamental stuff compared to some of the high school robotics leagues that you see now and you like you said you don't have to be an engineering major you don't have to be super smart a lot of it is just like being a good teammate and that goes with pretty much any sport and if you're willing to learn and you're willing to help out your teammates and be humbled like you said i swear 90 percent of college is just being humbled on a daily basis at least for me it's just like ah oh, not not as smart as i thought i was every day um then you can you can fit in pretty much anywhere especially in like dodea schools or like small schools like in guam where they're just like any like you said, you were the only person on your team. Like you're just looking for anyone to contribute. Like anyone who knows anything or is just willing to put in an effort. That's really how you can join something and make a difference pretty easily. So that that's really cool. You're a part of that and that you're willing to do that in college as well. And I mean, the college of robotics, I've seen videos and stuff. And my uncle is actually a coach for a high school league. They are doing so many cool things. Tell me a little bit about the competitions. What were some of the challenges you guys had to over, not overcome, but some of the challenges you guys worked on with your robots? 
I'm just interested. I'm not sure if anyone else is. Oh, but. yeah, for sure, for sure. And I could talk at length about this. I mean, I loved my time in robotics, mainly because of the camaraderie my team and I had. Yeah. And at the end of, like, an eight-month competitive season, you did, like, two competitions, uh, one for Lego, one for FIRST, or one for Lego, and one for underwater robotics. Yeah. And you're looking back at all the different memories you made and the things you learned, and it's just like a very, very heartwarming feeling. It's awesome. But in terms of like the process in robotics, I like to compare it to the software development life cycle because mm -hmm. th that agile mentality is something that you could apply to anything, right? So you design the product, you test it out, it's crap, you redo it, you <laughs> test it out again, it's a little bit better, but it still doesn't work. All right, yeah. so you remove a half of the robot and fix the other half. Now the other half doesn't work again, so you need to redo that. Yeah. But even though it can be frustrating, it's an amazing product that you create over, especially the longer seasons, like six to 10 months. And that robot becomes your baby, whether it be uh, creating your own waterproof yeah. cameras, manufacturing your own PCBs, or just exposing yourself to like the yeah. Chinese electronics market where you can buy everything and anything that you need to create a super, super innovative robot or even looking at tutorials online and innovating what other people are doing, because not all the time you have to create the next wheel. You can take yeah. something that's already great and then make it better. And that's what's something I like about robotics because there's no real pressure to be new and creative. It's not like you're starting your own business where you have to maintain presence in the community with something revolutionary in order to do something. You can just take a normal design, take a legacy design, improve on it, add your own spin based on the challenges of the competition, and then there you go, you have a, an award-winning robot. So yeah. I know, especially in the US here in the mainland, there's a bunch of different opportunities locally and internationally and mm -hmm. nationally for many, many robotics competitions. And for my four years in college, before I head into the Air Force, I definitely want a piece of it in one way or another. Yeah. It, it's addicting too. Like I think any team engineering projects, you just, before you know it, you're spending all of your free time in like that back dusty room working on some project. And oh, that's man, just, that's one of the best feelings. Perfectly, perfectly. Yeah. Especially <laughs> in the first year, my friend and I were in that gym closet every day after school, every day for our whole lunch yeah. period, on breaks, everything, <laughs> just trying to tinker with the robot, just wrapping our heads around the strategy for the different tasks in yeah. the competition. And wow, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the best parts about it. It really is, is just spending that time. Even if you're sitting there frustrated, just staring at the robot, like, come on, there's nothing else you'd rather be doing. You mentioned joining the Air Force. Tell me a little bit more about your plan for college. Um, you already told me your major, but how you're going to be joining the military. That's a pretty big decision. So ROTC is the main way I want to do that. Yeah. I am planning on commissioning as an officer in the Air Force after those four years. I hope to get an in-college scholarship to pay for the latter half of college. But yeah. if that doesn't pan out, military would try and help me out there. But I definitely want to continue my education in the Air Force, so potentially pursue a master's and maybe even a PhD if it works out. And in terms of duty in the Air Force, I haven't planned that far out ahead. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's I a lot. Into, when I get into the POC for the last two years of ROTC and start signing the dotted line for what 
it's going to happen. I'll do some more planning around it. But for as of now, I want my computer science degree. I want yeah. ROTC involvement. Do some extra clubs and things like that and maintain that tech presence in my life. Do some internships on the side as well. So that mm-hmm. come time for the Air Force, I have a tech career, a cybersecurity career, or like a programming career. I don't want to be behind a lot. I don't want to be playing catch up with everybody around me. I'm not a huge fan of that feeling, even though you're learning. Yeah. I don't like feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm the slowest one in the room. <laughs> yes. So if I have that experience under my belt, even if I have to learn a lot of things in the Air Force, I'm totally fine with that because I'd have that background on me. Other than that, I mean, maintaining a either computer science, cyber operations pathway in the Air Force, or even branching out to who knows, robotics or engineering in there, yeah. totally open to what the Air Force has for me, not committed to anything yet there. Gotcha. I mean, I know personally for me, like my mind changes about what I'm doing like every day. Like every day I'm like questioning my major. I'm like, what am I going to do? Or you have like one bad exam and you start like reworking your entire life. But I think it's important. If you know what you want to do to stay focused, try to stay even keeled, get through the highs and lows. There's going to be some tough exams. There's going to be some tough roadblocks for you. But it's great that you have a plan. I have a lot of respect for your decision, too, going into the military as well. And I know that ROTC programs, at least the ones that's at my school, you know, just really tight knit, really uplifting. They're all trying to make all the students get through it. And it's a great thing to be part of. I've heard nothing but good things. I know some of the like morning PT stuff isn't a whole lot of fun for a lot of the guys. I hear a lot of complaining about that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you. That's going to be a great opportunity. Appreciate that, Shannon. And I had an Air Force orientation just yesterday where I traveled down to ASU. I met some of the the cadres there, see what the type of crowd they're attracting is. And it's for me. As soon as I walked in, I saw the type of people that were attending this orientation, the types of cadres and and graduates that they had. I knew that everybody in here is going to be like-minded they're driven they're motivated they have that military presence in their lives they have a direction they want to head to that's just the type of people that you want to be around and oftentimes in rotc even army marines and navy they have a very dedicated focused crowd and if you're interested in getting into military especially at an early age rotc or the service academy is the way to do it It is a great pathway, and it's it's becoming more and more popular, from at least from what I'm hearing. And now that I'm in college, and a lot of my friends are doing that, and so many of them are former military brats as well. It's a really popular decision for military brats. Uh, yeah, nothing nothing but good things. It wasn't for me, but you know, it's a great yeah, of great course. path. Not like I said. for everybody, but at mm-hmm. least give it a shot. I know with uh, ASU's Air Force program, you can try it out for a semester, the PT, the classes, and all that. There you go. And then if you don't like it, you can hop out but you can still take the leadership classes. You can still join the clubs. So you don't have to completely destroy that military mm-hmm. presence in your college life. Right. And it can be overwhelming for some people. Like I said, the morning PT, and it's just really long days from what I know. It's just, you know, just not a lot of sleep sometimes, but you know, you're not gonna have a lot of sleep in college anyways. That's just kind of how it goes. I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, Avi, every single podcast, I have a preposterous predicament. A would you rather question is just some fun and I need your expert advice on this. This is very important. So let's play the saw music. Let's get it going. Avi, are you ready for the preposterous predicament? Three seconds on the clock. 
Let's go, man. Let's I'm go. Ready. Would you rather, for the rest of your life, no more social media, or you have to eat the same dinner every night? Does social media include YouTube? Yes. No YouTube. So this, keep that in mind for your education. I know YouTube is the best teacher I've ever had. I'm um, not sure about you, but no YouTube. It's going to be Instagram. It's going to be your Facebook. I know you do a lot of work on social media. For this media. conversation, forget education. I watch a lot of car <laughs> videos online. I'm a big car person. I'm not going to be able to live a week without watching a Lamborghini Aventador SVJ. Or Come on, Mercedes, go get some DVDs. Come on. DVDs? Go get okay. some DVDs. <laughs> Turn back the clock. Um, Yeah, I'd, I'd rather eat the same dinner every day. Yeah, I mean, you can pick the dinner, so I think that's a big pro going for you. If you had to pick one I meal. I think that won't matter, because after three, four days, you're already sick of it. <laughs> it helps a little bit, right? I mean, a little bit, but I love my my car videos and my video games too much to give up YouTube, um, especially the cars. I mean, there's nothing better than watching uh, the new Bentley Bentayga cruise down the street in 4K on top here. Or like yeah. house or something. So if I said that you got to keep YouTube, would that change your decision? Yep, I'd give yeah, up. That's the I'd give up deal Instagram. Breaker. I'd give up. Uh, oh well, you know I like LinkedIn a lot. I'd, I'd still probably take the dinner just because LinkedIn is a huge part of my life. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, there you go, guys. That's some expert opinion right there on today's <laughs> preposterous predicament. Thank you. Um, let's, I guess we can start wrapping up just a little bit. What's some advice you have for military brats just in general? I know we already talked about a lot about moving and getting involved, but is there anything else you would say to military brats right now? Well, I can't say too much because I'm not yeah. a real military brat. No, come on. I, so many people <laughs> say that. I'm like, no, you're in it. You're involved. You lived in Guam. Come on. Yeah. Um, I would say... In terms of fitting into the different areas that you're a part of mm -hmm. or trying to find ways to accelerate your academic life or your sports life while moving around or potentially not being committed to a location and things like that, you have opportunities, especially in the smaller regions, to do all that. I know that some schools, high schools especially, when they see what you've done previously, they'll, they'll put you on the team. Yeah. All you got to do is connect with the coach over there, maybe even the principal if you have to. But typically, they know what you've been through or, you know, they see what you've done. If you, like, put it on a resume or your LinkedIn or something, yeah. they'll put you on the team or they'll have you jump the line for tryouts. Things like that will happen. And in bigger, bigger areas, bigger land masses, states, whatever it may be, there are a myriad of opportunities. Typically, mm -hmm. in smaller areas, you have a better shot at, like, five or six different things in right. the larger areas you have a slightly less better shot but you have so many opportunities to attend mm -hmm. and I, that's something that really really impressed me when we moved to arizona from guam because i'm used to seeing three robotics competitions one pathway from high school to college one community yeah. college one university that's it over here my sister who's attending uh, a high school over here she's got a million and one different options for college. She's mm -hmm. got different scholarship programs and robotics programs. She's got all these different band scholarships and all that. And that wasn't available on Guam when I was there. And it's refreshing to see that. And I know if I was attending high school in the States, I'd be trying to everything in my power to be ramping all that up. Yeah. 
And in terms of fitting in in society and things like that, find clicks that you already connect with. So if you know that the military community has been heartwarming and welcoming in the past, try and find for military kids. Just mentioning that, hey, my mom's in the army or I'm considering joining ROTC, you'll get like four people who turn their heads, hey, me too. Yeah, hey, just me like too. that. Hey, yeah. me too. Just like that. And Or, you know, just mentioning where you're from. I just mentioned that my parents are from Trinidad in the orientation at ASU and like two mm -hmm. people turned their heads and said, Hey, my parents are from the Caribbean too. Hey, my parents from the, from Trinidad as well. So it's pretty awesome just to yeah. see what type of connections you can make with people just right out of the gate. And I know that the, the break-in period may be a bit long for people. I know mine for Guam was two years before I even accepted the thought of living on that island. Mm -hmm. But for those last three years, I'll always remember as probably the best time in my life. So many lessons learned, opportunities pursued, friends made. And it's just about breaking out of your shell every time you move somewhere or every time yeah. something changes in your life. But guess what? The more it happens the easier it gets because the more comfortable you get mm -hmm. or the more conditioned you are. And keeping that positive mentality, no matter what, is going to be the reason that you succeed in the different regions you travel to or how many friends you make, whether it be moving into college and things like that. Just because, like Shannon, you said earlier, it's almost always about the mentality around it. and. Hey, if you're stuck, if you need help, veteran organizations, military Brad podcasts, yep. volunteer associations, there's free resources out there. I mean, in the 21st century, 2022 right now, there's no excuse not to be spending a lot of time on the internet doing anything you can to learn more. I know when I was trying to figure out what the service academy was about, I was going on LinkedIn, I was asking my you know, my E5 mom, if she had anybody that was past alumni mm -hmm. for the academies or had a friend of a friend who gone to the academy. And just by doing that, almost everybody I contacted on LinkedIn, everybody my mom reached out to, they were open to a phone call, a Zoom meeting, if not long, long set of texts. So especially yeah. the military community, everybody's willing to help everybody. So don't feel like, uh, they're going to think I'm weird for reaching them out on LinkedIn or mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm kind of socially awkward. A phone call is not going to be too good, things <laughs> like that, because they're just very understanding and the military community is really like no other. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so much out there. I mean, you mentioned it, like there's no excuse to not learn. There's also no excuse to not do what you want to do, right? I mean, there's just so many opportunities, whether it's on the internet or in your school. I know if you're going to a small high school right now and you're worried about finding your crowd or not fitting in, you're going to have the opportunity in college because it's just, there's so many, you're going to find your crowd. You really will. There's just so many people. And like you said, your orientation, it's just, it's just about efforts, it's about putting yourself out there, telling people about yourself and breaking out of your shell. And it just takes a little bit and i just wish that people would get more comfortable doing that and it would just do wonders for them really there's nothing that hurts more than seeing an intelligent or you know charismatic friendly person shy away from pursuing something that they want like a degree yeah. or an opportunity just because they think they won't do well or they can't get it i mean it's like 
very or based very, on how they're per- perceived by others right and they'll exactly. think oh they're gonna think i'm it, weird it, or it something. hurts because you know that these people are capable or you know that there's potential out there but they just won't push themselves so if we can break out that mentality especially as gen z i know it's pretty mm-hmm. uh, infamous with with our age <laughs> that's going to be really really helpful especially in college when you're being humbled every other day and you're learning a lot yeah. Well, you, I couldn't have put it any better, Avi. You've been absolutely terrific. Uh, so I think the big takeaway is less TikTok guys, little more LinkedIn. That fair to say? There we go. That's yep, the way to yep. go. <laughs> well, hey, even on, on TikTok, you have a oh. bunch of people that are maybe not too much in the military community, <laughs> but a lot of people who will give you resources for things like mental health, breaking out of your shell, um, public speaking, college tips, high school tips, Teen society yeah. rules of them, all that. I know. You gotta that go out and this, find it. There we go. I know that, especially in the pandemic, these last two two and a half years ish have been pretty tough for me because I've been isolated at home. I haven't had many friends face to face, and it just felt pretty claustrophobic. Right. Staying from home, meeting everybody through a screen, it gets old after two years, but. TikTok can help you find ways to make sure that you don't lose your social skills mm-hmm. over the pandemic. Make sure you're, you're sharp on those for when you get into college. And I know, especially online in this community, in this scene, um, I was really, really worried about heading into college and everybody being the next Bill Gates, everybody being the next um, oh. SpaceX director. Sure. And I was very, very intimidated applying to college, thinking everybody's going to be so much better I'm going to be so behind. I'm not going to make friends with anybody. But as soon as I hopped into that orientation, I remembered that, hey, everybody's just a normal person. Not everybody mm-hmm. you meet is going to be the next Bill Gates. You definitely meet some. But those people are either going to be super friendly or super open to help. So just got to make sure that those misconceptions that you have are always buried in the back of your head and right. never stopping you from doing what you want to be doing. And everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Like there might be a guy who has the mind of the next Bill Gates, but if you're more of a sociable person or you're more of a people person or you can present really well, play to your strengths, you know? Like you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but if you're doing what you do well and you put that on display, people are going to recognize that. I really think exactly. so. Exactly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Couldn't couldn't agree more. And we could have a whole podcast on that alone. Yeah, so. really. <laughs> we really could. I mean, it's great. Yeah, well, we got to do this again sometime. This has been this has been really good. Tell people where they can find you and the podcast. Sure thing. So if you want just a, an area for all my socials, I have a link tree. I'll give Shannon Perfect. that. Perfect. So, but my LinkedIn is Avinash Janaraj. You'll see the, the headshot. Facebook, Avinash Janaraj. Instagram is avinash.tech. Um, I don't use Instagram for professional things. It's more of personal social media, mm-hmm. but definitely on LinkedIn, I'm active there. Message me, connect with me. Some, send me a note that you're from the podcast or something because I tend to yeah. reject people that don't have uh, mutual connections with me um, or, you know, because it's a lot of spam on LinkedIn. But for sure. LinkedIn and Instagram, if you want to be personal friends with me, those are the two main platforms. I have a Discord and all that. I'll give Shannon all that to put in like the show notes the description and something like that. But Shannon, you were an awesome host, man. Um, I appreciate that. Watching your podcasts on Instagram and Spotify is very, very awesome. I mean, you're just like 
a normal person. Thank you. Yes, very <laughs> normal. When I was hopping into the podcast, I said, oh my goodness, this guy's a military brat. He's going to know so much more than me. I'm going to be intimidated the whole time. No, nah, man, you're super friendly and all that. Loved being on the podcast. Nope. We're just chilling. Exactly. I love just having chilling. so many different guests. So awesome. yeah, thank you very much. I'll put all the notes in and have a great day, everyone. Thank you.